if I focused on defending my happiness or the why behind it, then I wouldn't be setting a great example for my daughters either. My biggest aspiration for my kids is for me to lead more with my actions rather than my words. I want to show them that what other people think is none of their business. And I'm leaning into only surrounding myself with supportive, loyal, trustworthy people in my life in hopes it's a testament of the people my daughters should hold close or just smile in passing and let that person keep on walking. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today on the podcast, we're excited to introduce you guys to my friend, Erin Barsness. Erin is the mama of three little girls, the youngest being just a fresh six weeks. We're going to get into all the things with her today, from parenting to budgeting to marriage and more. So Erin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know that you have a really full household right now, but if you could start by introducing yourself for our listeners. Ah, well, first of all, what an honor to be on the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy and Abby, for inviting me on to chat. I'm so excited to be here. As Amy said, my name is Erin, and I live in the blizzard state of Wisconsin with my husband, Bryce, and our three little girls. Declan is five, Nora's almost three, and Emmy is our newest bundle, who is six weeks. They are quite the trio, and (laughs) what's on her toes. But we're in such a fun, busy, exhausting, and full season over here. Um, Even though my favorite title is mom, I also work full-time as the director of marketing and healthcare. And this is one of the main reasons why my heart loves sharing our little life through my blog and on Instagram, because so many women are waking up in similar shoes whether they're a full-time working mom or juggling a full plate with all the things as a stay-at-home mom. There always seems to be a million and one things grasping for our attention, and I want other women to know and see that they can thrive in the place they are at right now. Maybe that looks like a newborn in their arms and two toddlers running buck wild through the house like I am or prioritizing your marriage during the throes of parenting, or simply sticking to a budget in a world that tells you spending is the key to happiness. Amen. Love that overview. That's so good. And I can picture those toddlers running buck wild right now because (laughs) we have the same thing going on. But let's focus a little bit on Emmy Lou, your tiny little six-week-old. So tell us, how has this transition been? And have you learned anything that you could pass along to other people that are about to enter this season? Oh, girl. (laughs) I think the transition to three kiddos has been one of the more difficult ones for me. Before Emmy joined, I had so many moms tell me that the transition from two to three is smooth sailing in comparison to one to two. And I think for me, 
reality just kicked in of realizing quickly that I was outnumbered by this tiny army of three. And it was almost like I felt a small piece of the rhythm that I had in parenting before just needed to be reconfigured and reassembled and even some parts of parenting relearned after five years of doing it. And what I mean by that is now we're relearning a school schedule and virtual activities for our oldest daughter. We're trying to keep our three-year-old entertained and thriving during the day. And we're caring for a newborn, which is a task in and of itself. So it's a lot to keep up with. And some days it does feel difficult to feel like I'm sailing smoothly through it, thriving where I'm at right now. But as far as something I've learned is that not one parenting technique looks the same. So we all live different lives. We are all learning different kids, different personalities, their likes and dislikes. So take as much or as little advice as you need. You know, take a page out of your best friend's parenting book, then maybe take a page out of your mom's and mix and match them. Don't take any advice at all if it doesn't help you. Nobody's life nobody lives the same life and nobody's life is the same. Nobody's presented the same opportunities. So just find what works best for you and do that with confidence, knowing that it may not look the same as your sisters or your best friends or even your moms or the way you grew up. Um, We're all different. And I think it's just important that you do what's best for yourself. I love what you shared there because I think it is such a common phrase that like, oh, after you have three or four, like no one notices another baby's added to the mix. And I'm like, how could that be? (laughs) They still come out like the mom is still healing and demanded. And it's, I think anytime you add a family member, it's going to be a huge adjustment for everyone. So thank you for sharing that. And my husband, Drew, and I have had your husband, Bryce, and your family over to our house. And I remember when we first started talking and our husbands thought we were crazy for meeting because we were just online friends. <laughs> You're like, you don't know this person. Um, but it's safe to say our families really enjoyed our time together. And we dove into some pretty serious topics on our first date. So I wanted to start off on the subject of you and Bryce. So you guys were dating in college and then you find out that you're pregnant. What was it like to find out that you were pregnant at, in college? And I would love to hear how your families received it and how you two navigated that time together. Oh my goodness. It was quite the time in our lives. Bryce was actually thrilled from the moment he saw the positive test. I, on the other hand, was a bit more terrified because one, I'm a type A person. And since I can remember, I've had like a sort of blueprint written out for my life. And I've shared this before too, where, you know, I had the age that I would get married and the age that I would want to start trying for babies. And what I realized is that's not reality sometimes. And especially when we saw that positive pregnancy test, like this is not going to be my life that I had planned since I was a little girl. And that's okay. I had a large list of things I wanted to accomplish before coming a mom. And one of those things the most important thing on my list was finishing my undergrad degree because 
that's what I felt like would be the turning point of my life, my adult life, my future. And I honestly, though, I seeing his whole like aura shine from the excitement over knowing he, he was going to be a dad put me at ease. And there's this popular saying of, you know, when there's that moment in time when you figure out you want to be with someone forever. Well, this was the moment for me because it shifted my perspective from scared to excited. I knew that he was so supportive and he was going to be there. And there was no point in time after that where I was scared. When we called our parents, I wasn't sure which way they were going to lead because here I am like, a young 20, I had just turned 22 and Bryce had just turned 23. And so a lot of questions crossed my mind, you know, will they be supportive? Will they be disappointed? Will they be happy? And come to find out when we called our parents, they were all equally excited, which was so surprising. They didn't ask the questions I pre-planned in my mind. They simply shared the joy with us. And when you're younger, you're not married yet. You still have college to finish. You hope that your parents share that joy and support you. And that's what they did. Okay. I am like the nosiest person and we all know that. So I, I, okay. So you did, you tell Bryce you were taking this pregnancy test. Was it like you guys were taking it together and he was going to find out the results right away? Or did you take it and then have to tell him? I did tell him that I was going to take it because I missed my period and maybe TMI, but they're usually irregular anyway. And so I waited a week and it still wasn't here. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to scratch this off the list of possibilities. Just make sure. And I bought a pregnancy test. I came back to my little tiny apartment that I shared with my roommate (laughs) and I told him I was taking the test. And when I came back into the room after taking it, I, he said, your face was just white. And I told him and he did not believe me, but he was like, you are, you are. Oh my gosh. This is, this is amazing. Are you sure? <laughs> and how long? I know. Erin, how long had you guys been dating at that point? Well, so we had a little break, but we had dated two years before this, and we had just gotten together back together in December, and this was the beginning of March. Okay, so for two years, took a break, a year long break, mind you, which is a very long time. And then we were back together in December and yes, it was that March and it was the day before April fool's day. And so when we told our parents, they, they literally did not believe us, but they were, they were so happy after we finally told them a couple of times, like, no, we like this, this is, this is what's happening in our lives right now. And, um, they were, they were ecstatic. I, I still can't believe that that was a reaction, but they all were super happy. 
Well, Aaron, as a fellow type A, you you do pre-plan. You pre-plan what your boyfriend's going to say. You pre-plan what your parents are going to say, what your in-laws or future in-laws are going to say. So the fact that they all p- positively responded to that, like, wow, what a breath of fresh air right there. And all four of us went to the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, which I always forget about, but it's so cool. Um, but you finished your degree after Declan joined you and Bryce. And that feels like an incredible feat because we all know how hard parenting can be, much less adding in a degree to it. So how did you do it? We can imagine your motivation, but I would love if you shared what kept you going when the things got really, really hard. Oh, I love this question so much because I look back and sometimes I think the same, like, how did I do this? Because it, it it was very hard and being so young, there's so many things that you want to do instead of sitting down and doing schoolwork, especially when having a baby. So when I got pregnant with Declan, I still had a year and a half left to finish my degree and I was scared. There were times when I doubted myself. I questioned even at one point whether to pause and continue later on down the road But I knew for me that that would be more challenging than just sticking to it and making sure that I prioritized my time and my values and what I needed to do right then and there. Um, After sharing this part of my life, over the years, I've received countless messages from other soon-to-be moms in similar situations asking me for tips, advice, or just simply if they think it's possible for them. And I think sharing that my path looked a little different from the norm showed others that it's absolutely an option for them too. So I just want to say, if you're listening to this and you're sitting in the same boat, you're questioning whether it's possible for you too, the answer is yes, absolutely you can do it. When things got hard with school and a little one, I reached out for support and Sometimes that's not always top of mind for us. You know, we're humans. We want to be able to do it all ourselves. We want to, you know, think this makes us look super strong. Like we are strong women. We don't need any help. We can do this. And I realized I didn't have to do all of it alone, nor did I have anything to prove to anyone. And really neglecting to ask for help doesn't make you stronger. It makes it harder. If I was struggling and I didn't understand something, I didn't quit. I I would reach out to other students in my class, or I'm pretty sure my professor was probably annoyed with how many emails I sent, but I asked for help. And I asked my family to take Declan on days when I didn't have class or on the weekends for a few hours so I could study quietly. I worked late at night and I really focused on the task at hand. So when it gets hard, motivation sometimes isn't always enough when you have a full plate like that. So ask for help, confide in your support system, push aside the things that add to your procrastination, whether it's your phone or turn off the TV, set the things down and remember why you started because you wanted it that bad to start it. Then put your head down, get one foot in front of the other. And I always like to say baby steps are the key to continuing on the path or reaching a goal. Um, always, always, always baby steps. Oh man, this is, it's really inspiring because at different points in life, we do go through things that feel like they can be insurmountable. Um, so that is such a great example. And then after you guys had Declan, 
you and Bryce got married. And I know that your families sound like they were incredibly supportive of the two of you, but I can imagine you guys are pretty young still for society standards. We'll just put it that way. Did it feel like the odds were stacked against you guys because of the timing of your life events or early on, were you and Bryce able to take on the attitude? Like this is our story. We're in it together and we're going to do this. Well, we actually got married mid-September, which would have been that September before I graduated. So if the odds were stacked against us, we may have <laughs> a bit of that to ourselves. But we wanted a small wedding. We had a small wedding. We didn't see the point in waiting because we knew that we were for each other. We knew that we were our people. We knew we were going to marry each other. And we really just embraced the fact that this is our story. It's it's not traditional. It's not up to quote unquote society standards, but it's us. And we try not to listen what others have to say, especially about that or our storyline and how it played out. And that decision still stands today. So we try staying in our own lane and doing what works for, best for us because not everyone's path is the same. So my path is not going to be the same as the next person's. Mm, so well said right there. And even for listeners who didn't follow the path of baby, then marriage, then graduation, I think we could all take a play from that book. Like what a good way of saying it. And let's keep on marriage here for a bit because you guys are just adorable together, but having babies, it can be really hard on a relationship. So for you two, what are your biggest challenges right now? And also where do you feel strongest? I actually helped Bryce answer this question with me because I wanted his perspective too. And I wanted it to be a pure answer for both of us. As you can imagine, our biggest challenge right now is just setting undivided time for each other. So with the demands of a newborn and two busy toddlers, our time together feels a little scarce right now. And lately our time together is at the end of the day when we get our two older girls into bed, whether it's watching a series, power cleaning the house together, or relaxing on the couch for a bit, we are trying our best to carve out that little bit of time just for us, even if our newborn is in hand, even if we're just at home, even if we have the TV on. Um, she, Our newborn kind of makes the calls right now, so we just have to do what works best for us. And most of the time that's being at home. So even though it's our biggest challenge, we do still try to carve out a little bit of time, even if it's not as long as we had planned. I would say that our strong suits in this current season of parenting is definitely by far dividing and conquering between household duties, sleep, self-care, in order for both of us to get sleep some nights, he will actually take the 6 p.m. to 12 a.m. newborn duty shift, and then I will sleep, and then I'll take the rest of the morning while he sleeps, just so we make sure that when we wake up the next day, we're rejuvenated, we're ready for the day. If we're in house mode, he'll tackle the dishes and you know prep supper, and then I'll fold the laundry and give the kiddos a bath. This helps us not feel like the tasks are heavier on one person over the other. And a big area we prioritize is self-care, which means about one hour a day where 
that person isn't on parenting duty. That really, really helps us. And of course, some days are going to be fuller than others, but this is what really works for us most days in order for us to feel like our cup is filled. So we're a team and we really want both parties to feel like their cup is filled up. So we are refreshed and ready to take on parenting together when we get back. Well, in taking that physical, emotional, and mental break, it does make you a better parent when you get back. It makes you better in all the titles that you wear. And I do want to take a quick moment just to remind our listeners that this week's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. So BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy program. Both Amy and I have been using them for several months to talk through the struggles, the challenges. When you feel like you're suffering, when you feel like you're drowning, it's excellent to be able to talk to somebody with a professional background who has some of the answers or is able to ask the right questions to get to those solutions that you need. So a big part of 2020 was this therapy program for both of us, and we are starting the year off strong with using them in 2021. But our listeners can also get a discount. So through BetterHelp on betterhelp.com backslash herself, you are able to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com backslash herself for 10% off. And another big reason that we wanted to have you on our podcast is to talk about budgeting because you post a lot about DIY renovations and you guys seem to be going after your financial goals and dreams instead of sinking into keeping up with the Joneses. And that can be really hard when you are an influencer and blogger to stay in your own lane. So first things first, when did it seem like budgeting became really important to the two of you? And what steps did you take when you were getting started? I am so excited to talk about this. It's one I'm super, super passionate about. It was probably about three years ago in 2018 And around the time our second daughter, Nora, was born, we were really struggling. We were not far from living paycheck to paycheck. We weren't quite there, but we weren't far from it. It wasn't that we were even big spenders or that we weren't making enough money. It was more we were drowning in debt and we didn't know where our money was going. And that was scary for us. So that's when I turned to my friend Google and researched my financial <laughs> literally simply how to pay off debt. And in my search, I found Dave Ramsey and began listening to his podcast. Amy, it's ironic that you mentioned the quote, keeping up with the Joneses, because that saying is what shifted my perspective on money. The first time I listened to the Dave Ramsey podcast, he shouted. And I mean, to the point <laughs> yeah, I'll do that in my car. Why are you trying to keep up with the Joneses? They're broke. You may see that Instagram gal's house or car or wardrobe, but what you cannot see is the possible debt amount attached to those shiny items. And after that, I listened every day. I needed that sense of community and knowing we are not alone in this struggle, Bryce and I, and the daily reminder that if other people can do this, we can too. I brought up this idea of paying extra on our debt to Bryce, and it didn't take long for him to be excited with me to cut our expenses and really dig our feet into the heaping pile of debt we were in, which was mostly student loans. 
We went through Dave Ramsey's program called Financial Peace University, where we learned the seven baby steps to financial freedom. We tracked every single expense down to a soda or a pack of gum, and we worked our way through the program. I won't get into all the details here, but the first baby step is to save $1,000 for an emergency fund. And then the second is once you solidify your necessary expenses, not your wanted ones, your necessary ones, you pay everything extra towards debt. We didn't eat out at all. We lived on and only purchased basic necessities. We actually, this is so crazy, but we sold our 2018 Jeep with a $500 payment attached to it for a 2005 paid off car worth maybe $1,500. So many people thought we were crazy. I remember that. We were okay. I kind of laugh at this now and validated their concerns at the time because it's not every day you see a growing family downsizing. Usually it's the retirement age where they're downsizing, but we were growing and we were downsizing. So that was hard for people to wrap their mind around, but the hard work, the sweat, and yes, the sometimes tears all paid off literally when within six months, we saw our total debt number go down by $20,000 in just six months. After this, our whole trajectory on money changed because we vowed to ourselves and each other, we would never go back to struggling with our finances again. And I love that you brought up the Dave Ramsey baby steps because it really takes it full circle. Like I feel like everything you've brought up on the podcast today has been about making those small changes because they really lead to a big impact. Um, yeah, we also use a lot of the Dave Ramsey methods to help us get out of debt and to really conquer that. And it works, like it works. We've also had a couple different episodes. If you guys are interested in those financial episodes, we've had a few of those where we talk about that debt snowball. Um, and also Tiffany Aliche when she talks about the debt avalanche. So for people who are looking at more financial resources, we do have those. So tell me though, like, how do you keep this forefront in your decision-making? Like, does it feel like budgeting and spending less is just a habit or do you still have to be really super conscious? Yeah, like, do you guys still keep track of your gum purchases? Or like, <laughs> now do you feel like you've got habits where you don't have to be so magnified? We do actually still keep track of everything. Um, we have an app on our phone and it makes it really easy When you get out of the gas station, if you're buying a gallon of milk, just sit in your car for an an extra minute and put it in the app. Make sure you know where everything's going because that $3 gallon of milk three times, four times a week is going to add up throughout the month. So we do still keep track of everything that we spend our money on. However, we are a little more relaxed with some of the funner things. And the way that we keep this at the forefront of our minds in our everyday life, because like for me, we have three children now and life gets busy. We remember that feeling that we had in the pit of our stomachs when the first day of a new month started, which meant so did our payments, so did all of our bills. And I think that's what keeps us humble with money and dedicated to our budgeting and finances. That's not to say we don't enjoy it because we do. However, when we are more conscious than ever of our expenses and spending habits, 
that helps keep us grounded. So much like Amy and Drew, we budget at the beginning of every month and we stick to that. So when I talk about enjoying money, if we want a few new sweaters this month, we budget for it. And that amount is my threshold. If Bryce wants a new pair of shoes or something like that, we budget for that. And he sticks to that amount that we agreed on. So he doesn't come back and say, oh, we budgeted for a hundred dollar pair of shoes. But I see this really shiny, pretty pair of $180 ones. So we stick to that amount. We can still enjoy money while also being mindful of our financial goals. We need to come to an agreement on every budgeted item and then that amount that is attached to it. So that's how we stay conscious and we keep on the goals that we set for ourselves in the very beginning. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of came back into your guys' storyline when you did decide to sell your first home and now you're renting a duplex with your three little kiddos. So I would love to, I would love if you told us how you landed on the option of selling that house and then renting before your next step of buying. Yes. So The duplex portion of this was actually a major deciding factor in selling our house because what many don't know is that the house we owned previously was smaller than the duplex we rent now. Our house was only a two-bedroom, one-bathroom, and in our gut, we knew once our third daughter were to join us, that just wasn't enough space for our family anymore. Um, Another deciding factor in whether to sell our house or rent again was finances. So just going back to finances, because with the high buyer's demand in the housing market right now and the large amount of equity we had built up with all of our home renovation projects, if we sold our home, we knew we could take the money made off of our house and be that much further in our debt-free journey. So that's why we made the decision and that's what helped us make it. We sold our house, we moved into the duplex and we're renting now. We did keep some of that money on reserve and savings and we also bumped up our kids' college savings funds. That was really important to us. So we're still on the path to being completely debt-free before I turn 30, which is two years from now. Crazy. But because we sold our house, we we might just be closer to that goal by the end of this year. That is so exciting, Erin. Congratulations. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Ugh. And a lot of it is because you do so much of the work yourself. Like I am so impressed every single time I see you doing another home renovation project with just the two of you or just the people that you know. And I'm sure that it had to be bittersweet to put it on the market. But tell us, how did you become interested in DIY? It seems like once people start, they constantly are doing projects around their house. And as someone who definitely does not have a knack for these types of things, (laughs) I love seeing the transformations. Well, I'm sure by now you may have gotten the vibe that I'm very passionate about saving money and Mm -hmm. all things affordable. Since the first home we purchased was outdated, I knew I was getting myself into a fixer-upper. So I wanted to be able to update this house and make it beautiful without spending tens of thousands of dollars because so, so much of that adds up. And a lot of people don't realize that new flooring or even new paint, I mean, it 
ends up costing a lot of money when you have a professional doing it. I was itching to rid our house of their stained, torn, like 30 plus year old carpets. And so I did what I did best. I hopped on Google and YouTube. I learned how to, you know, take apart and assemble new laminate wood flooring from the many hours of YouTube videos. And I mean, looking back, I think I was a wee bit crazy for starting my newfound love for DIY with flooring installation. But hey, it was the start of many DIY projects and still one of my greatest loves today. Well, it looks beautiful. Like every time I see those photos, I'm like, wow, Erin, I cannot believe you did that. You make it feel like anyone can do it. And then if I were to try it, it'd be like, nope, call somebody else. I'll call you next time that we do something like that. And then to wrap up the conversation, I wanted to go back to motherhood for a little bit. So something that we have both experienced, albeit we have opposite genders, is three children, all of the same gender. And it gets commented on all the time. But just like our family, I know that yours is really happy with your little trio. Does it feel like it gets exhausting to defend your family or convince people that you and Bryce are happy with three little girls? Oh my goodness. The comments, they seem constant, I think, at this fresh life with free, three girls because we didn't know the gender of our third girl. So she was a surprise and we waited all through pregnancy until she was here with us to find out her gender. So I feel like it was very surprising for a lot of people right away. And the comments were nonstop. But Bryce and I have actually talked about this a lot lately. And I really feel like if if I focus on defending my happiness or the why behind it, then I wouldn't be setting a great example for my daughters either. My biggest aspiration for my kids is for me to lead more with my actions rather than my words. I want to show them that what other people think is none of their business. And I'm leaning into only surrounding myself with supportive, loyal, trustworthy people in my life in hopes it's a testament of the people my daughters should hold close or just smile in passing and let that person keep on walking. So I don't think the most important people in your life should need convincing, nor do they get a say in the children we have. So we know in our bones, we feel fulfilled with the three sweet daughters that we have today. And that's what matters the most to us, not what other people want for us. Yeah, it used to kind of get to me just because it would make me sad that that was like their thought or feeling about our family. But over the past year or so, I've just been like, you know what? I am so happy that I don't have to convince anyone else that that is the fact. Like I'm almost done with the conversation, to be honest, because we just feel so good as a family. Absolutely. And I think that was my initial thought too, was I was most sad. That's such a good way. Yeah, exactly. Like, why do they think that we are not happy just because we got three of one gender? We're not missing anything by having both because this is like, these are our people. They're our greatest treasures. Like we are not upset because of that. That's the least of our worries. It's exactly who was meant for us. And as a mom of three boys, I, I look 
at your family. And I think that that's perfect for you guys. So it's just really that, um, I don't know, I wish that misconception could be cleared up. And I love how positively you both talk about this, but Erin, do you suffer from mom guilt in any areas? I know you have a really full plate right now. You're working, you're blogging. I'm wondering if and where mom guilt might creep up. Oh, of course. I think if I said that I did not have mom guilt at times, I would be lying because the mom guilt creeps in when sometimes you least expect it. I feel like I, if I haven't spent enough time or more so the quality of time with my husband and kids, that's when it really gets to me the most. And as a full-time working mom, I've always rushed self-care because I'm away from my kids already and spending the whole day at work. So when I get home, I tend to hurry or do whatever it is that day quickly. Even now, it's one of my biggest downfalls is rushing through that self-care or the time that I have with myself that's not spent on working, not spent on parenting, and not spent on being with my spouse. So family time for 30 minutes to one hour without technology distractions is something that really helps us, but so does making sure my cup is filled. I really am no good in this household if I don't get more than a few minutes to myself. Ask my husband. It's not great. (laughs) So taking care of yourself in motherhood is especially important when your cup is filled. You'll be able to give more of yourself to your kids. And you can't pour from an empty cup. So make sure you're taking the time for yourself too. I've loved everything that you've shared with us, Erin, and we always try to pay it forward. So if there was another lesson or two that you've learned over your five years of motherhood that you could pass along to other moms listening, what would that be? Oh, I love this one. One of my favorite analogies is from the author Nora Roberts, and one that I always try to keep in my mind. So She did this interview with someone at one point in time, and she said, when it comes to motherhood, I'll add that this goes for anything in life, too. We're going to drop the ball. And even if it doesn't feel like it, it's okay. The key to juggling it all is to know that some of the balls you have in the air are made of plastic and some are made of glass. And if you drop a plastic ball, it bounces. There's no harm done. If you drop a glass ball, it shatters. So you have to know which balls are glass and which are plastic so you can prioritize catching the glass ones. An example of the balls would be your email inbox, posting every day to Instagram, or folding the laundry on the daily. A glass ball would be more picking up your kids from school or daycare, making sure supper is on the table, and not letting your car run out of gas, even though I'm embarrassed (laughs) to say I'm guilty of this one. Me too, me too. (laughs) Well, Erin, thank you so much for coming on to herself, and please let everyone know where else they can find you. Oh, thank you so much, Abby and Amy. I had so much fun today, and I'm I'm so happy to be here. Um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Mama Bear Bliss, or I do have a blog that I do not post to 
very often, but it's mamabearbliss.com. So thank you so much, Amy and Abby. I had so much fun today. And Erin is an awesome follow if you're looking to work on your budgeting, work on your relationship, work on putting flooring in. Um, (laughs) You really are inspiring. So thank you so much, Erin, for being on today. 